0: Listen all you
1: New Yorkers Hello I hope no one's eating dinner Something like that What's up everybody It's 10 o'clock on Monday night Which means it's time for the next best thing Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do. And that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This day in history. Today is April 10th, and on this day in history, in 1790, the U.S. patent system was established when President George Washington signed the Patent Act of 1790 into law. On this day in 1825, the first hotel ever opened in Hawaii. On this day in 1849, Walter Hunt patented the safety pin. He sold the rights for an entire $100. On this day in 1866, the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, also known as the ASPCA, was incorporated. On this very day in 1912, the Titanic set sail from Southampton, England. It was headed right here to New York City, but it never made it. On this day in 1916, the Professional Golfers Association, known as the PGA, held its first championship tournament. On this day in 1925, F. Scott Fitzgerald published The Great Gatsby for the first time. I don't know if there were a second, third, or fourth time, but this was the first. On this day in 1930, the first synthetic rubber was produced. Yep, today was the day. On this day in 1932, Paul von Hindenburg was elected president of Germany with 19 million votes. In second place came Adolf Hitler with 13 million votes. On this day in 1953, Warner Brothers released House of Wax, the first 3D movie to be released by a major Hollywood studio. On this day in 1960, the U.S. Senate passed the Civil Rights Bill. On this day in 1992, comedian Sam Kinison was killed when a pickup truck slammed into his car on a desert road between LA and Las Vegas. On this day in 2000, Ken Griffey Jr. became the youngest player in baseball history to reach 400 home runs. He was 30 years old, and it happened to happen on his father, Ken Griffey Sr.'s birthday. Extra special. Extra special for the Griffey family. On this day in 2001, the Netherlands legalized mercy killings killings and assisted suicide for patients with unbearable terminal illness. Yep. That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who'll be kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No, but it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, it's been a week. It's been a busy week. It's been a crazy week. I feel like I say that every week because I feel like that's true every week. Before we get into what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. If at any point throughout the broadcast you hear an item you would like to discuss or feel there's a tidbit that you could contribute to the show, by all means, feel free to call in. The call-in number is 718-928-9732. Again, that's 718-928-9RFB9732. Or, if you don't want to be heard on the air because you're a little bashful, no problem, you can tweet at us. We are at NextBestRadio. That's at NextBestRadio. Or, go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page. Stuff that we talk about in any given episode. Information links to pertinent sites, all that stuff. usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall, you can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestradio at gmail.com. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something-something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, If you Feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. And the last thing I'll tell you before we get on to the important cool stuff is that all episodes of the next best thing are now available on iTunes as podcasts. Holy crap, that is huge news. It actually happened weeks ago, but every time I say it I just get a little excited because it's huge. So free- If you ever miss an episode of The Next Best Thing, which, come on, let's be honest, you miss most of them, uh, you can go to the iTunes store or check the podcast app on your iPhone. Just type in The Next Best Thing, click on our logo, which I trust you know, and there you will find literally all of the past episodes. You'll see the title, so you can pick and choose which ones pique your interest or which ones just simply sound the most bearable. Listen to those, and if you have a few minutes... Rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell a relative, tell an enemy. Do whatever you gotta do to spread the word, because the word of mouth is how we grow. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So, that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything...
2: Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares.
1: Good. You know, today was like... Probably the first day that actually felt like spring of the entire season. It was beautiful outside. I hope you were able to get out there and enjoy it. I, let's see, what did I do today? I went, you know, today I actually had a great conversation with a friend of mine named Tyler Lee. Uh, If that name sounds familiar, it could be for two reasons. First of all, I've been mentioning that name every week for the past two weeks or so. Tyler performed the lead role of Christopher for a solid year in the Broadway play The Curious Incident of the Dog at... The Nighttime, I believe. I always screw up the title of that play. I can never remember if it's Curious Incident of the Dog at Nighttime or Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Regardless, he was the lead in that play for a solid year, did an excellent, excellent job, and he and I sat down today to talk about his experience. It really wasn't a conversation so much about about the show. I said to him before we started recording this afternoon, those questions and that kind of topic has already been covered with him. If you go to YouTube or Google his name or something, those are the interviews that will pop up. So we talked more about his experience, kind of his upbringing, his experience of getting the role, and a little bit about what life has been like since the show closed last uh, September. Because frankly, those are the questions that I wanted, A, wanted to know the answers to, and B, think that people are could benefit from hearing you see people tend to think that as actors performers you your goal is to get to broadway or if you're in california to be in a big major motion picture and that's true it absolutely is but they tend to think and by they i mean everybody even even other actors tend to think that once you break that barrier and get onto the broadway stage or see your face on the silver screen well that's it you've made it and from then on you will just have the offers rolling in that's really not how it works Uh, as you will hear when my conversation with Tyler airs in two weeks it's you kind of once the show closes you kind of really have to start all over again it's like it's basically it'd be like if you were working at a bank and that bank closed, well, there wouldn't be three other banks literally lined up waiting for you to say, I'll work for you now, and you just pick up right where you left off. No, you'd have to apply to other banks. You'd have to really find other banks that were looking for people to hire. You'd have to go through the whole process of job searching, job hunting, applying, going to interviews, not getting hired. You'd have to go through that whole thing all over again. And that's is kind of the life of an actor the life of a performer and it's not an easy life but those are the sacrifices we make aren't they folks yes and now we move on to our main topic of the night ready I'm going to uh, take a seat here pardon me this is not streamed so you can't see me but I'm taking a seat here and adjusting the microphone I'm doing a play by play of my own banal movements all right so here we go today there was a school shooting it took place in san bernardino three people are dead including an eight-year-old boy so we're going to talk about something tonight that i've talked about many times before because i think and i've always thought it's something that needs to be talked about and we're going to talk about it and that is guns oh yes guns and the role they play here in America. It is an embarrassingly large role and one that I'm pretty comfortable saying that we should all be ashamed of. And I know how contentious and galvanizing this topic can be, not can be, always is. And for that, I'm ready. If you have, if at any point throughout this broadcast, you hear something that you would like to argue about, if you would like to make a case for, or make a case against, always, always welcome to do that. You can call in 718-928-9RFB. Again, that's 718-928-9732. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. You can post on our Facebook wall, facebook.com backslash Radio, Or, of course, you can email us nextbestradio at gmail.com. When we talk about school shootings, typically you... Well, here's what I want to do. Here's where I want to start, okay? Let's start with my good friend and one of my favorite news pundits, Miss, you guessed it, Rachel Maddow. She had an interesting report immediately following the Sandy Hook Massacre, the Sandy Hook Massacre that took place in 2012, December of 2012.
2: Is a piece of legislation introduced by John F. Kennedy when John F. Kennedy was a senator from Massachusetts. We remember JFK now as a remarkably young president, right? A fresh face, an outsider, defeating the old establishment guy, the vice president, Richard Nixon. But John F. Kennedy was not new to Washington when he won the White House. He had been a congressman, first elected in 1946, then a senator, elected first in 1952 and re-elected in 1958. And while he was a senator. In that year that he was running for re-election in 1958, John F. Kennedy introduced this legislation. It was a bill to ban the importing into the United States of guns or ammunition that were originally manufactured for military purposes. So we're talking about foreign weapons made for foreign militaries being sold to civilians here in the United States. Now, the most popular weapon like that at the time looked like this. It's an Italian rifle called a Carcano, or it's sometimes called a Mannlicher Carcano. This was the most popular foreign firearm, originally manufactured for military purposes, that was sold in the United States at the time that John F. Kennedy introduced a bill that would have banned the sale of this gun. If you want to get a better look at this gun, uh, here's another view. The man holding the rifle in this photo is Lee Harvey Oswald went on, of course, to kill John F. Kennedy with that gun in 1963. Mr. Oswald bought that gun by mail, legally, using a coupon that he clipped out of the American Rifleman magazine, which is the magazine of the NRA. Lee Harvey Oswald was able to buy that gun that he used to kill the president because the bill that JFK introduced that would have banned the sale of that gun was defeated by the NRA. Oswald bought the gun in March 1963. He killed President Kennedy with it in November of that year. In the aftermath of his assassination, there was a great impetus to reform the laws around guns in this country. Gallup polling after the president's death in 1963 showed that more than 80 percent of the country wanted Congress to enact the strictest gun restrictions possible. But nothing happened. The new president, LBJ, tried mightily to get gun reform passed in the wake of the JFK assassination, but they were not able to get anything through Congress. Even after the assassination of the president by a gun that was bought legally by his assassin that would not have been legal to buy under that president's own gun control proposal, that apparently was not enough. It was not until the president's brother was also assassinated and Martin Luther King Jr. was also assassinated in 1968 that anything did finally get done at the federal level. And even then, it was just barely, which LBJ announced bitterly upon passage of the bill that he did finally get through.
3: Guns are to be kept
2: out of the hands of the criminal
3: and out of the hands of the insane and out of the hands of the irresponsible then we just must have licensing. If the criminal with a gun is to be tracked down quickly, then we must have registration in this country. The voices that blocked these safeguards were not the voices of an aroused nation. They were the voices of a powerful lobby, a gun lobby, that has prevailed for the moment in an election year we have been through a great deal of anguish uh, these last few months and these last few years too much anguish to forget so quickly so now we must complete the task with this long needed legislation begins we have come a long way we have made much progress but not near enough.
2: That was LBJ speaking in 1968. It is our successive national traumas in gun violence that have brought about gun reform when we have been able to get it. And even then, it has been really hard. JFK's assassination itself did not bring about gun reform. The Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy assassinations in 1968 did eventually drive some reform that year, years later. That's how we got serial numbers on guns, for example, what they were able to do in 1968. But they weren't able to do anything after what happened in 63. When we got background checks instituted, uh, that bill that did that was named after James Brady, who, of course, was press secretary to Ronald Reagan. Mr. Brady himself was almost killed in the Reagan assassination attempt. The Associated Press reported this week that after presidential candidate George Wallace was shot five times, paralyzed and nearly killed in an assassination attempt in 1972. The AP reports this week that then President Richard Nixon can be heard on the Oval Office tapes after the Wallace assassination attempt musing about hand, how handguns should be restricted in this country, although Nixon never really did anything about it. It is national trauma that makes us act. National trauma with gun violence that makes us act on this as public Policy.
1: But not always. That's how it used to be, apparently. It didn't happen after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. It didn't happen after the assassination of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King. It only happened after the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and presidential hopeful Robert F. Kennedy that they passed the most minuscule, the most minute thing resembling gun legislation. Now, that was an interesting thing that LBJ said. Let us remember, yes, Lyndon Baines Johnson was a Democratic president, indeed, but he was a Texan, a man's man, a red-blooded American male. He was a gun owner, a gun lover. And he said very plainly... Guns are to be
3: kept out of the hands of the criminal... And out of the hands of the insane and out of the hands of the irresponsible, then we just must have licensing. If the criminal with a gun is to be tracked down quickly, then we must have registration in this country.
1: Now, I find that particularly interesting because what sounded like we must have licensing. Licensing. He said licensing. And he also said registration. Those two words are totally non-starters. Those are two things that you can't even you can't even refer to in this gun debate, because people who are so in love with their guns that they kiss them and love them and sleep with them at night, they view those ideas of licensing and gun registration as absolute infringement on their rights and how dare you take my gun you ain't ever gonna take my gun you some bitch you ain't gonna take my freedom you ain't gonna take my life that's what they think they think of their guns as their freedom their livelihoods their lives well naturally that is horseshit <laughs> I'm so done being nice and playing diplomatic with my wording I think I am so outraged. I've been outraged for years. I've kind of reached a new point. Because we are worthless. I'm sorry, let me put it this way. We are worthless. It seemed like when the Sandy Hook massacre happened, I was, I was devastated. I, when, I found, when I first got the news alert on my phone and read about it, I was on my way to a photo shoot in which I was to pose with a rifle. What?! I hated guns just as much back then as I do now. And after reading about this, going there, posing with this rifle, felt very odd and very wrong. But I did it. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, this was, well, this seemed galvanizing. I mean, listen to what Joe Biden had to say immediately after the Sandy Hook tragedy, the Sandy Hook massacre.
0: The tragedy that occurred at Sandy Hook Elementary School has had a profound impact on the psyche of the American people. There have been other mass murders, tragic events at at uh, Virginia Tech and Columbine, Aurora, at the Sikh Temple. But this, this in my career, this one census act at Sandy Hook, this a slaughter, senseless slaughter of 26 and seven-year-olds, children, babies, six brave school staff, and it's not hyperbole, it's just brave school staff, who actually tried to protect these kids, all dead. A senseless act that is not only shocked the American conscience, but has, I think, changed and galvanized the attitude of the American people, demanding some concrete action.
1: We can't remain silent. And yet, that is exactly, that is exactly what we did.
2: The political pressure against gun reform is always there. It's always there. Everything you look at in this country that's ever happened on gun reform, you can always see the political pressure there on the other side. It always looks like it does now. But it is being met this time by a political force for gun reform that appears to be definitely equal, if not greater, both in magnitude and intensity and in commitment. And that organized political pressure is buoyed by the fact that the gun reform side has the country on their side. The Washington Post poll today on gun policy. Did you see this? The Washington Post poll today asked Americans if they support universal background checks for anybody who wants to buy a gun. The NRA opposes that, right? But what proportion of the American public wants universal background checks for anybody who buys a gun? The proportion is 91 percent. 90 freaking 1 percent. 91. For comparison's sake, let me just note that if you ask the American people, do you support capitalism? The answer is 68% yes. If you ask the American people, do you like Italian food? The answer is 85% yes. If you ask the American people, is it important to take a vacation? 61% say yes. Universal background checks, it's at 91. They're more popular than capitalism, Italian food and vacations. Universal background checks have 91% support when nothing has 91% support. When the Senate Judiciary Committee today moved a universal background checks bill, they moved it through committee to send it to a floor vote in the Senate later this week. Do you want to know how many Republicans voted for universal background checks on the committee? Zero. The vote was 10 to 8. All the Democrats voted in favor, all the Republicans voted against. All the Republicans voted against something with 91% support among the public. Tell me how this ends for the Republican Party.
1: Well, when that question was asked, it seemed logical to think, oh, well, clearly all those idiots who voted against something that 91% of the country wanted. Well, clearly they aren't going to last long. In fact, I wouldn't i wouldn't bet that the Republican Party is going to last long after something like that then what happened well
0: we're going to build a wall Uh, i can just say this more people are in this country right now illegally than ever before
1: certain people are
0: zeros i'd like to take some money out of her fat ass pockets
1: we know what happened the republicans took the white house the senate and congress and to that i say
4: what is wrong with you people
1: What the hell is wrong with us? Truly, what is wrong with us? How could we let that happen? How can we let this happen? You know, the fact of the matter is, people only hear about gun violence after school shootings, after mass murders, after huge massacres like the Orlando nightclub, like the Aurora movie theater, like the Sikh temple. There are a lot of mass murders. There are a lot of school shootings, way more than there ever used to be. But the fact remains that most gun violence and most gun homicides take place. Most of them are suicides, domestic disputes, accidental shootings. You would be amazed how many accidental shootings there are in this country every year. They make up a good portion of the gun homicides. And I'm talking... Incidents and these are real incidents. I'm not making these up. These are not hyperbolic stories. I have posted articles about a young father taking his young son to the gun range and while showing him gun safety, bam, gun goes off, shoots the kid dead. You always hear stories about a five-year-old and his three-year-old brother playing cops and robbers or whatever. They get a hold of a gun. They think it's a toy gun or they think it's the safety's on or something, bam, shoots his little brother dead. These are mistakes. These are things that have no malintent whatsoever, and they end with somebody dead. Sitting here with a guest a few weeks ago, I told a story about a Kansas City chief, a former Kansas City chief who had been involved in an incident where he somebody might have bumped his back bumper and the person who bumped his back bumper went kind of ballistic in road rage. The guy got out of the car and said, please, you know, calm down. Let's just talk about this. Ended with the former chief being shot and killed. Now, how in the world do we think that would have ended had a gun not been involved? Well, can't say for sure, but I highly doubt it would have ended with somebody murdered. And what's even more sad is that despite the fact that Most of these gun murders and gun homicides happen outside of schools and outside of these massacres that you hear about. I'm still baffled by the fact that even if that wasn't the case, how many massacres do we have to have? Truly, how many massacres, how many presidents, how many speeches do we have to hear before something is done? And if you don't think there have been very many, I'm sorry, but you're wrong.
5: I want to begin by saying that Hillary and I are profoundly shocked and saddened by the tragedy today in Littleton.
3: Our nation is shocked and saddened by the news of the shootings at Virginia Tech today.
6: This afternoon I spoke with Governor Malloy and FBI Director Mueller. I've spoken with Governor Tim Kaine and Virginia Tech President
3: Charles Steger.
5: I have spoken with Governor Bill Owens and County Commission Chair
6: Patricia Holloway and made it clear he will have every single resource that he needs to investigate this heinous crime care for the victims counsel their families to stand ready to
5: assist local law enforcement the schools the families the entire community during this time of crisis and sorrow
3: Stand ready to help
6: local law enforcement and the local community in any way we can during this time of of sorrow. We've endured too many of these tragedies in the past few years.
5: I know the other communities that have been through this are also ready to do whatever they can to help.
3: The exact toll has not yet been confirmed.
5: We don't know yet all the hows or whys
6: of this tragedy. And each time I learn the news, I react not as a president, but as anybody else would. Schools should be places of safety and sanctuary and learning. We must do more to reach out
5: to our children and teach them to express their anger and to resolve their conflicts with words, not weapons.
6: They had their entire lives ahead of them. Birthdays, graduations, weddings kids of their own. The impact is felt in every American classroom and every American community. Whether it's an elementary school in Newton or a shopping mall in Oregon or a temple in Wisconsin or a movie theater in Aurora or a street corner in Chicago, these neighborhoods are our neighborhoods and these children are our children. Perhaps now America would
5: wake up to the dimensions of this challenge if it could happen in a place like Littleton, and we could prevent anything like this from happening again.
6: And we're going to have to come together and take meaningful action to prevent more tragedies like this, regardless of the politics. Today, our nation grieves with those who have lost loved ones at Virginia Tech. Our hearts are broken today for the parents and grandparents sisters and brothers of these little children and for the families of the adults who were lost. We hold the victims in our hearts,
3: we lift them up in our prayers, and we ask a
6: loving God to comfort those who are suffering today. May God bless the memory of the victims, and in the words of scripture the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds
5: to the people of the community of Littleton i can only say tonight that the prayers of the american people are with you thank you very much
1: a couple things about what you just heard bill clinton all i can say to you tonight is the prayers of the american people are with you that's not enough i'm sorry but thoughts and prayers are nice But they don't do anything. They don't do anything. They are nice and I'm all for them. But they don't do anything. They don't prevent the next shooting from happening. Secondly, and frankly, I'm not the first person to say that. Nothing I'm saying tonight is original. These are all thoughts that I hope you've all had. And I know... That people like President Obama have had. I, you know, if you listen to WTF, the Mark Marin podcast, if you listen to his interview with Barack Obama, he says that the his biggest, one of his biggest regrets, and one of his darkest moments of his presidency, was when after Sandy Hook, we did nothing, nothing. How could we do nothing? Who are the first of all? As we've established, 91% of the country, 90 freaking 1% of the country wanted background checks. And let me tell you, folks, I teach piano and voice lessons. Before I could do such a thing here in New York City, I had and have to every year undergo a background check. It takes two seconds, and it's not a big deal. How in God's name... Could I have to do such a thing to teach piano lessons, but you don't have to do such a thing to buy a deadly goddamn weapon? Who are we, Who is opposed to this? Who are we appeasing by not doing anything? Well, probably people who say things like this.
3: It's a very important point. Guns are why America is the most opulent, abundant, wonderful country ever known on the Democracy face of the earth. Is why America. Thomas Wilde is a lawyer for the National Rifle Association, which has opposed Brady from the
6: start. We think that it's very important that we establish who's boss. From my cold, dead hands. The newspapers have dubbed him the Subway Vigilante man was riding the subway Saturday when four youths apparently began hassling him. The neatly dressed suspect pulled out a gun and calmly shot all four.
1: That armed citizens prevent crime. And, uh, I always keep a few guns around. There's a gun in my bedroom as well. And, yes, they're loaded because when I'm home, they're
3: in use. Somebody drives up the driveway, it's almost always someone properly here, but if I don't know who they are... I'm going to greet them with a gun in my hand. Uh, Hi. Well, if I don't know who they are and I'm not expecting somebody, uh, I'm not walking out to the
1: front door without the means to protect myself. I don't know who they are. Um, So I bring my friends, Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson. Please listen. You are one election away from losing your Second Amendment rights. One election.
4: You look at the Bill of Rights, the teeth in the Bill of Rights is the second amendment because if push comes to shove you can't defend free speech with your mouth nobody gives us permission
7: to carry a gun we get that when we're born you live that second amendment just like you live the first amendment
4: we've just said that they should allow that means that they have the right to disallow it's a right it can't be allowed or disallowed it's a right to who are licensed well how do you get a license for a right Trained, I'm sorry, if you know that the bullet comes out here and this makes it go bang and that what's in front of here is going to die, that's all the training you really, really need. And show me a five-year-old that doesn't know that. Anywhere.
0: The largest extent of the day, up to and including sitting at home at night in front of the TV, watching TV, I have the firearm on seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, It it simply becomes a part of your apparel. It, It is one of the tools that you have to get through the day.
4: Are you aware that Jesus Christ supported the right to keep and bear arms? and that he supported the right to concealed carry, and he supported the right to carry assault weapons.
7: Yes. It was gun control that contributed to the tragedy at Virginia Tech. (laughs) And the gun-free zone is, of course, what we're talking about. That has to go. We've had it with creeping gun control. No more gun control. What is helpful is arming the population so we can shoot
4: crooks.
1: Now, I make fun of this stuff. You know, I play the Twilight Zone because it feels like we're in the goddamn Twilight Zone. But the truth is, it's not funny. Those people are real. It'd be funny if those people were fringe people that were treated as seriously as they sound. Did you know that Jesus Christ, he loved guns? He loved assault weapons. What are you talking about? People who say that kind of thing aren't to be taken seriously. People who say, well, what contributed to the to the Virginia Tech massacre were gun control laws, am I right? Come on. People who say that kind of crap are not to be, you know, are not, they don't deserve a serious place at the table of a conversation. And I'm not saying that to be elitist or to be, you know, fuck all of that. I'm sorry. I don't even like cursing on the radio. I know we're allowed to. I don't even like doing that. But I'm so sick. I can't, it is astounding to me that these people aren't just taken seriously. They win. We have done. We have done nothing. We have done nothing since Sandy Hook. We've done nothing since Orlando. We've done nothing since San Bernardino. And I'm not, t- and then the school shooting in San Bernardino was today, but I'm talking about the couple who shot up their hol- their work Christmas party. We've done nothing since we've done nothing. We have done nothing. All that's happened in the past 15 years is that we've allowed the assault weapons ban expire. And yes, since then, since that day, I mean, not surprisingly, assault weapons used in gun homicides have gone up. And because of our inaction, you know, we can listen to those truly mentally and it's you know emotionally unstable people make these gun arguments like we just heard but what that results in when we take them when we let them control the narrative what happens are things like this
2: 20 year old christopher martinez he was in the deli when bullets came flying in since then his father richard has been outspoken he has been very emotional about the gun laws and politicians he says are responsible for repeated violence cnn's kyung la had an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Martinez, who was incredibly emotional.
7: He's our only child. And he died on Friday. I'm 61 years old now. I'll I'll never have another child. (laughs) He's gone. So the reason I'm doing this right now is to try to see if we can do anything to make my son's death mean something, because that's all we've got.
3: He's not going to grow up to be a man, to work in the world. Uh, What did we lose?
7: He was articulate, determined, nice, uh, and tough. If there's all these things in the media about the shooter, and there's nothing about the victims, then it sends the wrong message. And that people need to understand that real people died here. And they need to know, put faces and names and histories to the peop- people who died to make it real for them.
6: The politicians after Sandy Hook swore that they would do something.
7: We're all proud to be Americans. But what kind of a message does it send to the world when we have such, an, such, a, such a rudderless bunch of idiots in government. I can't tell you how angry
4: I am. It's just awful. And no parent should have to go through this. No parent to have a kid die because in this kind of a situation, what, what has changed? Have we learned nothing? These things are going to continue until somebody does something. So where the hell is the leadership? Where the hell is these people we elect to Congress that we spend so much money on? These people are getting rich sitting in Congress. And what do they do? They don't take care of our kids. My kid died because nobody responded to what occurred at Sandy Hook. Those parents lost little kids. It's bad enough that I lost my 20-year-old, but I had 20 years with my son. That's all I ever have. But those people lost their children at six and seven years old. How do you think they feel? And who's talking to them now? Who's doing anything for them now? Who is standing up for those kids that died back then in an elementary school? Why wasn't something done? It's outrageous.
1: It's... uh it's hard to hear that i can't <clears throat> the emotion that he shows the anger that he feels it's it's true it's absolutely true and the fact that his son died by some senseless he his, his son died in the isla vista shooting the kid i can't remember his name but he made a lot of youtube videos where he was talking about how how he hated girls because they just didn't go out with him he wanted a girlfriend so bad and his and he ended up shooting out shoot going on a rampage that's how he responded you know it used to be that when kids got depressed and who doesn't get depressed at one point or other in your life it's it's tragic enough when you are so low and so angry and so sad and hurt that you feel like you might hurt yourself i mean that's a tragedy in and of itself and there's ways to get help for that but nowadays It's not just that people get so low and depressed and angry that they want to hurt themselves. They want to grab their gun and take out the neighborhood with them. They feel it's, they want to get vengeance. They want to, they want to project their pain onto other people. And, and so they do. And what do we do? Nothing. I just can't get over it. Nothing. You know, a year or so after this shooting, the shooting of that man's son there was a shooting about a year ago a little over a year ago caught on camera it was a local news segment it was a feel-good human interest story i think they were at some water park the summer was just getting kicked off and this young local news reporter was there interviewing the manager when suddenly the shots ring out and we see the whole thing unfold and how someone can watch that and they died they went they later we found out they died that same local news station that same local news broadcast had to then say that those their very own reporters their very own team members that you were just looking at had been shot and killed what is wrong here what is going on and so how did we respond by doing nothing i just don't get it it's like this is truly an epidemic and people don't seem to give a shit and you want to know why two reasons number one three three reasons really number one is because until it happens to you or your family or a family member or close friend you just block it out and think and just trying kind to of tell yourself that it can't happen to me, and so I'm just going to stay out of it. Number two, we only really hear about it when there are these mass shootings, these gun uh, massacres, and when people die in mass quantities. And three, people are such wimps, people are so scared of any type of contentious conversation, of any type of political argument. I have friends who I know are opinionated, who I know are smart, but when it comes to guns or any other political issue that that they know is kind of a, is a real, couldn't be real contentious, instead of asking questions, instead of probing or maybe doing a little research, they just shy away from it. They don't want anything to do with it. And to that, I say, grow a pair of balls, read a book, go to everytown.org. Do you realize that it's getting to the point where the NRA and the gun lobby aren't just preventing us from passing any type of laws, but they're actually getting to the point where they can prevent agencies like the Center for Disease Control. They are getting to the point where they can prevent them from even doing research. They don't even want... To know how many people are shot and killed. And they certainly don't want you to know. Because if you knew. Hopefully you'd give a crap. And think well something should be done about that. As of today on average. On average. 93 Americans. Are killed with guns. A day. A day. Okay. Not every month. Not every week. Every day. And every year. There are nearly 12,000 gun homicides. That's murders. That's people who went out and shot someone on purpose to kill them. But guess how many gun deaths there are? Almost 40,000 in America. That is more than Japan, Germany, Great Britain, Australia, six other countries combined. We have 12 times as many gun deaths in our country as those six countries do combined there is something wrong here there is something wrong here it is not just the sandy hooks it is not just the aurora theaters it is not just the orlando nightclubs. when people die of gun violence it is every single goddamn day